Well, good morning and welcome to Rock Hills. It's so good to see all of you. You know, I think deep within all of us, there is a longing to belong, to be able to be a part of something, to be able to be included within community. I think there's a deep longing within all of us to know that that we fit in, you know, at least somewhere. And we, we all have that in various ways throughout our lives, things that we're associated with, things that we're connected to, the teams that we cheer for, the school that we went to, the families that we belong to. We've got all these different areas within our lives that we belong to, but that all comes back to the need that we all have to be a part and to belong. And Heather just announced that uh, welcome lunch that we're going to have, and I, I, I want to reiterate that as well. We want Rock Hills to be a place we say all the time uh, that you are welcome here and that you can come just as you are. We want this to be a place where you can belong, regardless of what, what part of town you come from or what you've been through in life. We want this to be a place where you can truly belong. So even if you're new here or you've been coming here for a while, but you're, you're ready to plug in, we'd love for you to RSVP for that. But within us, this desire to belong, it was kind of evident to us, I think, uh, my, my second daughter is a senior this year, so we've taken the college tours, and we went to multiple colleges just to check them out and to hear their spiel and all that kind of stuff, and we went and toured one particular campus. I won't mention what campus it was. Um, <laughs> And and part of their big push was, hey, we've got a club for whatever, right? We've got clubs for this and that, and I guarantee you they're keeping it as weird as they can possibly keep it, right? They've got clubs for everything, you know, which on one hand is kind of weird, but on the other hand, it still goes back to the fact we want a place where we can belong. And Paul, as he gets into Romans chapter 8, he's going to hit on this today as he continues in this chapter because Paul has such an incredible perspective of understanding who God is and understanding who we are and what that means for where we belong and why we belong there. He started last week in Romans 8, 1 with that beautiful verse, so now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because you belong to Christ Jesus, you are now free from all the condemnation. We all have a natural sin nature that's within us that separates us, that says we don't belong. But even as we're going to celebrate communion here at the end of the service, it's a reminder that Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath that sin requires, and now we get Jesus' cup. Because of what Christ has done, now we belong. Even though we have this sinful nature that we're all born with, as we put our faith in Christ, the Word of God says, and now you have the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of God, as we read last week, the same Spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave is the spirit that lives within you and lives within me as we are believers. 
The Holy Spirit, we talked about this last week. When the Holy, this is how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. He shows us who God is. He shows us who we are. And he shows us how we are to live. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. As he works in your life, he shows you who God is. He shows you who you are. And he shows us how we are to live. And so as we continue in Romans chapter 8, it's going to make a bold declaration of this is who God is. This is the role that he plays, the relationship that he plays in our lives. So it doesn't just speak to who he is. It also speaks to who you and I are. But because of the sinful nature that you and I have within us, sometimes it's hard for us to see God for who he truly is, right? And we see God through all different kinds of lenses. Because of our background, because of experiences we've had, because of doubts that we struggle with, for whatever reason, this sinful nature that's within us sometimes won't allow us to see God for who he truly is. And it won't allow you to see yourself for who you truly are. One of my greatest desires for my kids and for my church is that you would see God the way that God sees you because that would change everything within our lives. If we could see ourselves the way that God sees us. And that is what Paul is going to make clear to us today. Last week's, his, his scriptures were so awesome about how God removes the condemnation from us and he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in that. But today, as we get into the next, just four verses, we get into the next four verses, it goes from a really good message to even better. So I want to ask you today, if you would just take a moment, ask God to speak to you today, whatever God would want to speak to you, that his spirit would make it clear within you today. Because we go from being forgiven to this week, we're going to talk about being a part of a family and a family forever. God is not just calling you out of some things, but God is calling you into something, something that we belong to, something that we are a part of. Now, this message today is a little bit personal for for me just because of our family story. And some of you know our family story or at least parts of it. But Paul is going to get into the metaphor today of adoption. And adoption has been a big part of our family story. Most of you know that we adopted Nate, but what you may not have known is way back in 19... There was a beautiful little baby girl, and I think we have a picture of her here. She's the one on your left over there. And uh, this baby girl was born without a family, per se. She was born into a situation where... Honestly, she had people saying the pregnancy just needs to end because this doesn't work out well. But she had a biological mom who said, I'm at least going to give this child a shot at life. Even though I can't raise this child, even though I can't provide a life for this child, I'm going to give this child a shot at life. And Tiffany, she couldn't put herself into a family. But by the grace of God, she was given a second chance And she was adopted by two wonderful parents who raised her in a loving family. Fast forward to 2004, all the way on the other side of the world in China. There was a sweet little boy born. There's little Nate right there. A few years after he was born, obviously. But um, when Nate was born, 
we don't know the circumstances and everything around him. Um, all we know is that as a brand new boy, he was wrapped up in a blanket and left in the park. Hopefully, somebody would find him. Hopefully, he would be able to be put into a family. And sure enough, authorities found him. He was moved into an orphanage and uh, later into a group home for kids that are blind and visually impaired. But he grew up 13 years in an orphanage setting, in a group home setting. He would see friends come and go as they would get adopted. And there's nothing that our sweet Nate could do to put himself into a family. Meanwhile, if we fast forward to about 2013, as we're sitting around the dinner table one night, our other son challenged us in a way, even without knowing it, to be a little bit more compassionate in our lives. And so as we talked about how we might be able to do that, I contacted one of our friends who's a missionary in Thailand. I think we have a picture of Zach and his family. That's Zach. And ironically, Zach is actually the younger brother of Jeremy, uh, who was here just a few weeks ago. But Zach is a missionary in Thailand. And we said, hey, we would like to help out uh, a kid that maybe you've been associated with. What could we do to make a difference? And what Zach did is he put us in touch with this organization in China, Bethel China, which is uh, the group home for the blind and visually impaired. And so as we got, uh, we looked at their website and they have all these kids that smile real pretty. One of them in particular stood out to us, and that was a young man named Li Fang Tao that we all know now as Nate Harris. But as we sponsored him, we would send money each month. We would send some toys at Christmas. Uh, you know the deal. I mean, we wanted to do that to be compassionate. But about 2015, something happened within us where our burden got stronger and stronger. And we felt like just sending a little bit of money wasn't what we were supposed to be doing. We felt like God was telling us to take a huge step of faith, not knowing how we'd be able to do it or how it was going to turn out, but to take a step of faith and start the process of adoption, to make a commitment that would forever change our lives. It meant months and months of huge mountains of paperwork. It meant a lot of finances that we didn't have and didn't know where they would come from. It meant a whole lot of prayer to try to figure out how this was going to happen. But God put it all into motion, and eventually we all loaded up on a plane. We flew to Beijing where we were going to adopt Nate. We got him, and we had to stand before the Chinese government. We had to make commitments to the United States government. We had to work with social workers, all to say, on good days and on bad days. On days when we go, why in the world did we make this decision? We're saying we're committed. No matter what, this adoption is permanent. So we made that commitment, and we, about three weeks later, loaded back up onto a plane, this time with six of us instead of five of us, because Nate was now with us. And when Nate landed on the United States soil, his life was dramatically changed, because he was now 
officially part of our family. Our family, his future changed, the potential for his future in China would have been extremely limited. But when he landed here, everything changed. Nate moved from being an orphan to being a part of a family. Now, I'm not trying to talk you all into adoption today, and obviously this is kind of the setting for this story. But as you understand, adoption, it comes at a great cost. All of you who have been involved, whether yourself or know somebody who has, it's a very expensive process. But even beyond the finances, it's an expensive process because it's risky. You're, you're opening your doors and your hearts and your family and saying, even though we don't know how this will turn out, we're willing to make a permanent commitment. Because of the great love that's been given to us, we want to give that away as well. Now, that's part of the Harris family story. But the real issue here that Paul is going to get at is that's our story. That's all of our story. Paul is going to use the act of adoption as a metaphor to illustrate God's love for us and his commitment to us. Because you see, that sinful nature that he talked about last week, that sinful nature separates you from God. Which means the sinful nature that you're born with, because Adam and Eve sinned all the way back in Genesis, this sinful nature that we have means that you are orphans. Because you have been separated from the Father. We've been separated. We've been, metaphorically speaking, left by a tree in the park or in a hospital bed. And our future is unknown. It has an unknown outcome. What it would require because we are condemned because of our sin, the Bible says, because we are separated from God, is it requires a great love that is willing to step up and take responsibility. It requires a great love that's willing to step up and say, I will pay the price for this adoption. The gospel story is an adoption story. We are people orphaned by sin. But the truth is, the good news is, is that God has chosen us. God has chosen us not because you're good kids, right? We're not good enough. He didn't choose us because we were good enough. He didn't choose us because we were cute enough, because we had enough skills or talents to impress him. God chose you regardless of your abilities, Regardless of your past, regardless of the choices that you have made, the grace of God has chosen you. The gospel has nothing to do with you earning your way out of the situation of sin that we are all in. But the gospel has everything to do with a loving father who invites you in to belong, to be part of his family. Now, we can understand that in a Christian perspective, but I hope today that you can understand the truly the depths of the good news because we can't earn it. There's nothing that you and I can do that will cause us to be a part of a family. So I'm going to let Nate explain this to you guys a little bit, if you don't mind. Can you imagine... 
for 13 years of your life not having a family. Yes, you've got friends. Yes, you've got caretakers. But the caretakers come and go as their job changes. And those friends that you have, one day they get a knock on the door and your friend goes and gets shots in a picture and they know what that means. They're not coming back. They just got adopted. And can you imagine for 13 years seeing one friend go after another friend go after another friend go and wondering, as we were told, Nate asked before we, he was adopted, am I ever going to have a family? And there's nothing you can do to make it happen. No matter how many videos they put up of you smiling and show how good you do at school and all sorts of these things, there's nothing you can do to have a family. Can you imagine, if we're talking about good news, how good the news would be on that day when you find out that you have a family? So if I could let Nate explain for you on video here, and you're not going to understand a word of it because it's all in Chinese, but I don't think you need to understand. We're going to give you a little peek into the moment when Nate found out that he was going to have a family. The good news is that you've been invited into a family. Though you couldn't earn it, though you couldn't deserve it, here's what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also... Share his suffering. So I'm going to break down these scriptures. I'm going to even look at them a little bit out of order here. But we're going to look at these four scriptures. I encourage you, as you read the scriptures, and I encourage you to be doing that, we've even got some scriptures for you to memorize each week as we go through this series that are available uh, out in the lobby. But I encourage you, as you read the scriptures, pray. Pray before you read. Pray and ask God, God, what does this say about who you are? God, what does this say about who I am? What does this say about who I need to be and what I should do? And let the Spirit of God lead you as you read the Scriptures. In verse 14, 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And he says in verse 16, For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So these two scriptures right here, as Paul writes this, are confirming to us, he's saying, I want you to understand loud and clear, you are God's child. And sometimes he understands this as well as we probably understand this. Sometimes we doubt that because sometimes we don't feel like we're good enough. We don't, we don't feel like maybe, the, maybe I just don't understand this whole thing. Paul's saying, I want you to understand if you are led by the Spirit, it's the evidence that you are God's child. As a matter of fact, God's Spirit joins together with your spirit to say, you are God's child. So this is Paul speaking of the evidence that as the Spirit leads us to Christ, it's evidence that God is working within us and that we are adopted as his own. So question for you. Have you experienced God leading your life? Can you identify in your life, maybe even right now, where God is drawing you to him? That's evidence that he has adopted you, that the Holy Spirit is working within us. Now, are we perfect all the time? No. Paul makes that really clear. But he says, if you want evidence that you are adopted as his, Look to your own life and see where the Spirit of God is drawing you to Him. Where does the Spirit lead us as He draws us? In the the verses previous to this, 5 through 13, He talks about the sin nature and the Spirit and how these two are at war against one another. But He describes how the sin nature is fighting against the Spirit, but the Spirit of God leads us to do this, to put the sin nature to death. I read, I've read a quote that I've heard many times, and I tried to figure out who really said it, and I don't know who said it, but it's a great quote. It says this, Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. The evidence of God adopting you is that the Spirit is leading you away from where your sinful nature wants to go. So it's a good time to ask yourself, Have I experienced that? Have I experienced the Spirit of God leading me away from my sinful nature? Or maybe, if you're even honest with yourself, you might say, you know what? Sin just feels absolutely normal to me. And I I don't mind. And I can't even look back at my life and really remember a time when I've experienced closeness with Jesus. I think it's okay to ask yourself, do I feel like I've allowed myself to be adopted as God's child. And right now, the Spirit of God may even be calling you to come close to Him. Paul is wanting to affirm to us and to the readers, to the people in Rome, this is who you are, that you are God's child. And he understands that there are going to be times when we need to know for sure Because we all face struggles and we're going to face times in our lives when we begin to doubt. And Paul is wanting us to be affirmed that he has made the action of adopting us. We're going to go to verse 15 now. It says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children Now we call him Abba, Father. 
So slaves in the biblical times would have been people who had a debt that they had to pay off. It may not have even been that it was your debt. It may have been your father's debt or your grandfather's debt or your mother's debt. But the person who needed to collect on the debt, if you couldn't pay for that debt, they would come and take you or potentially take your entire family and you would have to be a slave until your debt was completely paid off, which could mean a whole lifetime and even generations to come. So this is the slavery that Paul is addressing here, and there's a danger that we can all struggle with. Your debt. You see, a slave could not pay their debt. There was a debt that they could not pay back, but the scripture is telling us Christ has paid the debt, and we are now free because it has been paid, but we have a danger of looking at ourselves with the wrong perspective. I call it an orphan mentality. Personally, in our household, every day, every single day, is filled with question after question after question. Uh, What are we having for lunch? What are we having for dinner? Who's going to pick me up? Every day. I love you. I love you. I love you. And all of these questions come from a deep fear within, whether it's on purpose or not, a deep fear within that says, this could all end. And I want to know that I'm loved. And I want to know that I belong. And I want to know that I am taken care of. And it's an orphan mindset that no matter how much love we give and no matter how many times we say you are not going to go hungry, you will not be left alone, the questions just keep coming and coming and coming. And honestly, we have it really good. I don't mean to sound like I'm complaining. There are other people that face this to severe degrees and we've, we've got a very good situation in our house. But this is an orphan mentality that asks, if I'm... If I behave badly one day, does this come to an end? Will I still belong if you have a bad day? Is is this all still going to be here? It's an insecurity, and the insecurity leads to performance of trying to be good enough to assure that what I have is going to continue, right? That right there is fearful slaves, Inside, I have an insecurity, a fear that I could lose this, so I will continue to work to be good enough. You and I have been adopted. And I want to encourage some of you, you need to stop living with your orphan mindset. Your performance, your behavior, your deeds... Your status, it will not change how much God loves you. It will not change the fact that you are God's child. Whether Nate has a good day or a bad day, it does not change the fact that he is loved and he is part of our family. And if you don't get this, if you can't get past that orphan mentality in your own life, your life will always become a stage 
for you to perform on, to, for you to smile real big and look real good and hope that God keeps loving you. And maybe if you dance good enough, God will even bless you more, right? Because you're a slave that has to work harder and harder and harder. And God wants you to know today, you do not need to have an orphan mentality because you are a child of God. You did not earn your way to the table and you cannot lose your seat at the table. He is the one who has given you a seat at the table and invited you to be his own. And he wants to focus it in even a little bit more. It's not just a relationship. That's my heavenly father. He wants you to know how close it is. He says, now we call him Abba, father. And Abba means dada, right? It means papa. It means baba. Whatever language you want to put it in, it is the intimate word for a father-child relationship. And he is saying, now you call him Abba Father. Now, let me just make a request of you that the smart alecks in the room will probably ignore, and I'm asking for trouble here. You cannot call me Daddy, okay? Except for three of you here in the room. Please don't call me Daddy. Now, if you, if you go to work tomorrow and your coworker comes over to your cubicle and says, Hey, Daddy, do you have that report? If you take your car into the shop and they come out to tell you what needs to be worked on and they proceed by calling you, Hey, Daddy, you need some work on the transmission. It's going to be awkward, right? Because there is a level of intimacy there that we don't give that title to, but to one. And God is saying, that is the relationship that I have welcomed you into. Not just a father who wants you to do the right things, but you call me Abba, Father. The God of the universe is also Abba, Daddy, because our relationship with him is personal and intimate. He goes on beyond this. In verse 17, it goes beyond just our approach to God and our status. He says this, And since we are his children... We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Since you are adopted, that means you are his child. That means you are his heir. Now, in this particular setting, the biggest portion of any inheritance would go to the oldest son, who is the only begotten son. It's Jesus. What does this scripture tell us? You are heirs equally with Jesus. So here's what God is saying. Everything that is Jesus's is yours. God does not withhold anything from you as a child of God. Everything that he intends for you, he wants to be yours. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. It is yours. He doesn't withhold anything from you. I call this refrigerator rights. Nate in our house can go to the refrigerator anytime he wants and get whatever he wants because it's his house. God says, you have refrigerator rights. You are my child. Everything that I have is yours. Now, this doesn't mean that everything is always sunshine and roses because he includes in there... Even though we share in Jesus' glory, we're also going to share in his suffering. And nothing says you're part of the family like 
Welcome to the suffering that we're going through. Right? Here's the mess that we live with. Here's the struggle that we're facing. And you are part of the family. And everything that's Jesus's is, is yours. Now, I don't want to just throw a general blanket out here. Because we look at this and there's, there's a clear distinction of those that are adopted as God's children. There is God's creation, which is all of us. But then there are also those who are invited in and sit at the table and have become God's children. There are so many great kids at Bethel. We adopted one of them, right? Just because we are God's creation doesn't mean that we are his children. And I know that that isn't politically correct necessarily to say, but John Verse one, chapter 1, verse 12 says this. But all who believed in him accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. So what do we need to do to be his children? We believe and we accept. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit that draws us to him. And the Holy Spirit is even drawing some of you right now to understand who you are and whose you are. To sum it up, through the Father, we are adopted. Through the Son, we are heirs. Through the Holy Spirit, we have assurance. Because of the work of God, He has said, you are mine. Everything that I have is yours. And the work of the Holy Spirit is working within us to assure you, this is who you are. And it can't be taken away from you. You are my child on your good days and on your bad days. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, my paraphrase says this, I will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord is my helper. What have I to fear? I don't have to live in fear because I know God will never leave me or forsake me. I want to invite you today. I want to invite you to know the Father the way that I know the Father. And I still have a lot of growing to do. But I want to invite you to know Him, to believe and to accept. You may have been going to church for all your life, but you go, I'm missing that. Or maybe you've had that in your life, but there's some relationship repair that needs to be done there in our lives. I want to encourage you to live as sons and daughters. And for some of you, that may mean you need to get over your orphan mentality. Realize it's not about you performing. His love for you cannot be taken away. Today, after we have communion, there's going to be an opportunity. Our prayer team will be up here. And if you want to pray for anything, we'd be happy to pray for you. But I especially want to pray if there are any of you here today that you just say, that's me. I struggle with that orphan mentality struggling to be good enough, I want to pray that we can set you free from that. Would you pray with me? And then we'll take communion together. Dear Heavenly Father, and we say Father because you have invited us to be your sons and daughters. Lord, we thank you that you made the way to us. And Lord, as we sense you drawing us closer to you even right now, Lord, let us respond. If it's for the first time or for the thousandth time, Father, Let us acknowledge you as your children. Thank you for sending Jesus for us. 
Lord, that we could be your heirs. That we could share in everything that you have given to Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray for your assurance in hearts right now. Would you just take 20 seconds? You ask God to do in your life what you desire for him to do. Jesus' name.